Okay, we're back. First, any questions, comments, or observations on the four basic concepts we covered so far? Four basic concepts being, of course, who do you listen to, the teachability index, the training balance scale, and the four steps that you go through when learning information. Yes? Okay, good question. The question was, how do you get to unconscious competence? How do you get to that level? The answer is actually very simple. All of you start at the bottom, and when you're learning information, you get to conscious competence. That's when you know the information, but you have to consciously apply that information. You, you, you have to think about it. So you have to think about applying it. The only way you can get to unconscious competence is by utilizing one of two methods. Number one, by doing it over and over and over at the conscious competence level. The example is tying the shoelace. How, do you, how did you get to unconscious competence when tying the shoelace? How did you get to unconscious competence by knowing your way from work to home? The answer is by doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again at the conscious competence level. You do it over and over and over again and all of a sudden you become unconsciously competent. The question is, how actually, what's the mechanism in which to get to unconscious competence? Another way of calling unconscious competence is the knowledge bank, knowingness. It's, it's where it's completely internalized. It's part of you. You don't have to think about it anymore. When you actually do something over and over and over and over again. You're actually creating neuropathways in the brain. These are biological connections between cells, dendrites, that connect and actually grow in size. And these neuropathways are energy channels where information or energy is transmitted through the brain. They're actual patterns that develop in the brain. So, by getting to the unconscious competence level, you do that by doing it over and over and over and over again, creating that neural pathway. There is a second method. It's very interesting. And the second method is by observing someone else do it. So one of the advantages of having a mentor, one of the advantages of being an apprentice, is you get to observe someone else. This is the reason why associating with people who have what you want, and this is one of the major benefits of the societies, like the Brotherhood. Not only did we get the knowledge, but we got to observe people using the knowledge. And by that observation, 
you know, monkey see, monkey do. That's exactly what I'm talking about. This is a major advantage. If you're learning from somebody who's doing it wrong, you're going to do it wrong as well. That's why if you want to be a great chef and you happen to be the apprentice of a spectacular chef, there's a good chance you're going to become a spectacular chef. If you want to be a spectacular musician and you get to work with and be an apprentice of a spectacular musician, then you get that advantage. You will become a spectacular musician. If you want to be a spectacular tennis player or golfer or basketball player, when you start associating with people who are brilliant in those professions, you get to see what they do, see how they act, and you turn around and get that as well. Success does breed success. It does rub off. Having a mentor, associating with people that have what you want, and in this case, utilizing this information, being able to witness them, watch them, observe them, does create neuropathways in the brain as well. Which is more important or which is better? Both are important. And I, but I would suggest to you <clears throat> that unless you are observing on a regular basis, unless you are listening to, watching, mimicking, and modeling your behavior after those people that are actually doing this stuff, your level of proficiency, your level of success is not going to be as good you actually may become unconsciously competent in doing it wrong because you do it the same way all the time. So learning this information from those who have achieved and use it professionally and perfectly and to a very high level is something that you have to do. It isn't a one-time thing, it's an ongoing process. So the way you get to unconscious competence is by observing those people who are doing it. Now, from a practical standpoint, how are you gonna do this? Because when you guys leave here, you're not gonna have that physical mentor. But guess what? We didn't have physical mentors that we were around every single day either. But we were around them once in a while, and when we were around them, we took full advantage of that situation and observed and then kept that picture in our mind, kept that meeting in our mind, and then mimicked thereafter. So what do you do? Well, you're going to have some advantages that other folks won't have. First, you're going to have a plethora of CD material being made available to you. And again, this information is not coming from me, the guru. I just happen to be the selected teacher and messenger of this information. The information is is information that I learned from my association and involvement with the Brotherhood. I reached the highest level in that organization, as well as the other people that you've met, the members of uh, the Freemasons, 33 degree members that have uh, not officially left, but are sharing the information and releasing it to us, the Illuminati, Skull and Bones, and many of the other folks from the other uh, societies as well. So we are a group of people 
that learned this information from the various societies we were a part of, many of whom were members of the elite class, have this information, have the physical evidence that it works in our life, and again, you're sitting here so you can see it, and we are gathering this information together and presenting it to you in what we believe to be a very easy to digest format so that you can apply it and see speedy, spectacular results. Now we've done this outside of this group over the last few years to some individuals, kind of tested it out, and the results have been nothing more than spectacular where people have said to us that learning this information and applying it uh, has just been mind-blowing at the speed in which their dreams and desires are coming into physical reality. So whatever you want in life, you can have. The key is getting to that unconscious competence level. So again, in answer to your question, it's by doing it over and over again at the conscious competent level which go, goes back to, that's why everything here is in an order of, of teaching. That's why you must have a high willingness to learn and a high willingness to accept change. You have to be high on the teachability index. And I can tell you, I've met people all over the years. And the majority of people, if someone said, what is the number one reason that people just don't succeed? Is it lack of knowledge? And the answer is actually no. The answer is it's low teachability index. Actually, if you go back and say, well, what are the causes of people failing? Number one, they're not listening to the right people, which is why, who do you listen to? So they're listening to the wrong people. If you want to be a great chef and you're listening to a guy who's a short order cook, who's never made a souffle in his life. Guess what, you're never gonna learn how to make a souffle. If you wanna be a world-class chef and eat spectacular food or learn how to cook spectacular food, and you're learning from a guy who fries eggs, and nothing wrong with frying eggs, but you're not learning how to create spectacular cuisine because you're learning from somebody who doesn't know how to create spectacular cuisine. If you wanna be a great piano player and you're listening to somebody who's uh, you know, maybe a very good honky-tonk piano player, but certainly not a concert pianist. You're never going to be a spectacular pianist. You're never going to be a great musician because you're not learning from the best. Same thing here. If you want to create things in your life, if you want to have happiness, you need to learn from the best. So the first reason people fail is they don't learn from the right people, which means they're not getting the right information. But if you find the right people, you do get the right information. And somebody would say, well, up until now, this information has been secret. That's absolutely true. However, there's enough information out there from the right people that if you, if you utilize it, yeah, all the stuff has not been released. But a lot of this stuff is available. I think the key elements have never been available, but some of the information has been available and enough has been available where you can apply it and reach spectacular results. But the first problem that people fail is they don't have the, the right teachers. They're not learning from the right people, they're not listening to the right people, which means they're getting the wrong information. Second 
reason people fail is they have a low teachability index. They just refuse to be willing to give up things, to be obsessed with learning. They have a, a low willingness to learn. And even if they do have a high willingness to learn, they have a low willingness to accept change. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. They just refuse to change their patterns. And again, those patterns are neuropathways, which is why willingness to accept change, you have to understand the reason why you may have a hard time willing to change. The reason you may be, it may be hard for you to be really willing to change is because you've done the same thing for so long, you've established very, very, very strong, embedded, ingrained, large neuropathways. New neuropathways have to be developed, which creates new patterns. So low teachability index is a major thing. The next reason people fail is they spend too much time on the how. Remember the training balance scale? They, they spend too much time on the technique or the skill, thinking that that's the key. Too many excuses such as, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to raise the money for that business. I don't know how in the world I could have enough money to pay off all my bills. I don't have any idea how in the world I could be able to take a one-month holiday to Europe if that's what your desire is. They think of their desire and then what they do is they come up with all the reasons why it won't happen in their life because they don't know the technique, they don't know the how, they don't know where the money's coming from, and they're stuck on that side of the training balance scale. That's a key. And then the fourth reason people fail is they don't spend enough time at the conscious competence level to develop new neural pathways so that, they, so that they get to the unconscious competence level where new patterns have been established, new habits, new neural pathways, and the information becomes automatic and it happens instinctively, instantaneously, effortlessly, easily, thus creating the results as if by magic and as if by doing nothing. Now, all of this stuff will begin to make sense. I'm touching on a few things so you have a general understanding. So as we go further, it'll all start flowing into place. The four basic concepts that we discussed, and we must review them, and you must know them, because these are the foundation of all the information for the rest of today and tomorrow. It is the foundation. Remember, you can only build as high up as your foundation is deep. Some of you at the break came up to me and said, you know, we're spending a lot of time here on what I would classify as some very simplistic, very basic information. You know, when are you going to get to the real meat? 
And let me tell you the news. These four basic concepts, this is the real meat. Because the rest of the information is actually easy and simple. But none of it will grasp, none of it will take root unless you have a fertile environment for the rest of the information to grab, grow, take hold, and develop. It's like if you're going to plant seeds, you need to prepare the soil first. If you don't prepare the soil, if the soil isn't fertile, you can plant seed and you can water it all you want and get all the sunlight on it you want, but the seed will never take root and grow. The soil has to be prepared. If you're going to build a skyscraper, you must build a foundation. And that foundation has to be strong. It has to be deep. Without that foundation, nothing will happen. And what are we looking to achieve here? So, you know, the first part of, of this weekend is entitled, Your Wish is Your Command, How to Manifest Your Desires. Which means, whatever you want in life, you can call it forth. Whatever you desire, whatever you want, you can give the command and manifest it in your physical experience. Whatever your heart desires, whatever you want to see in front of you, whatever you want to be, do, or have, all you have to do is give the command and it's there. You have Aladdin's lamp. The genie is there. Give the command and it will come forth with amazing speed. Whether that be happiness, whether that be money, whether that be a bigger house or something material like a car, whether that be something internal, a feeling, happiness, joy, glee, whether it be a, a relationship, whether it be a better relationship with the person you're with, whether it be happiness in your home, whether it be a better relationship with your friends, coworkers, children, family members, whether it be learning a foreign language or learning to play a musical instrument, or whether it means traveling, or whether it means doing something where you're praised and you're given accolades for, whether it be growing in your career and hitting levels of appreciation in your life from the people around you that you've always desired, whether it be getting your physical body to a place where you feel fantastic in your skin, whether it's physical health, Whatever it is you want, this course is designed to give you the tools so that all you have to do, in effect, is give the command. Your wish is your command. Whatever you command, it can come forth. That's what we're achieving. Tomorrow we're focusing strictly on money. Today we're laying all the foundation for everything. 
That's the objective. And somebody always says, but I know this stuff. This stuff sounds something like I've heard before. Really, you know this stuff. You know it. Do you know it? You know it? Leo Bascalia, great author, passed away now. He said, to know and not to do is not to know. So I got a friend of mine, he was giving a lecture. He was talking about being positive. And I was at this lecture. And he was talking about how most people aren't really positive, enthusiastic, and happy. But that's a really key element to success. We'll talk about that later. And this woman raises her hand and she says, I don't understand. I'm, I'm happy all the time. And my friend looked at her and said, really, you should tell your face. And everyone cracked up laughing because she had this scowl on her face, which certainly didn't make it appear that she was happy. You know, she thought she was happy, but she certainly wasn't emanating that feeling. So if you think you know this information, but you don't have the results to show it, I can categorically tell you, you don't know it. You're doing something wrong. Think about it. You really know, you know how to, you know how to do this? Really? Okay. You know how to make a souffle? Really? Well, how come you can't make one? Obviously, you don't, you don't know. You think you know, but you don't. Your teachability index is zero. Gabish, you understand this? Does this mean, I'm keep going back to these four concepts, the foundational concepts. Who do you listen to? The teachability index, the training balance scale, and the four steps, getting to unconscious competence. Now these are four concepts that you should know, 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 and know, just like your own name. So if I were to ask you, who do you listen to and why? You should be able to explain it to me clearly, concisely, with brevity. Who do you listen to? And someone said, well, how would you explain that concisely, Kip? I would say, very simple. If somebody say, who do you listen to? Listen to people that have what you want, that have the physical evidence that it works. That's it. That makes sense. Teachability index, can you explain that to me? Yeah, there are two variables. One, what is your willingness to learn? Next, what is your willingness to accept change? You have to be high in both of those concepts. You have to be very high. You have to have a high willingness to learn. Well, how do you determine if you have a high willingness to learn, what are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up your favorite thing to learn? What is your willingness to accept change? Are you willing to do something completely different? You need to be teachable. Training balance scale, can you explain that? Yeah, there's two sides of the training balance scale. One is the thoughts, one is the actions. One is the attitude, the motivation, the why, the dream the thinking, and the other one is the how, the techniques, the skills, the action steps, the doing part, which is more important. The thoughts are 99.9% .9 of this process. Makes sense. Next, the fourth basic concept, what are the four levels of learning? You should instantly tell me, not by looking at your notes, Unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, and unconscious competence. 
And if I were to say, well, how do you get to unconscious competence? Well, there's two ways. By doing it yourself over and over and over and over again at the conscious competence level to develop new neural pathways, new patterns, new habits, and by observing and associating with people that are doing it. Observing, 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 watching, mimicking them and modeling yourself after them because they already have established the neural pathways and you're seeing firsthand exactly how it works. That's the key. Vitally important. Now why are we spending so much time on the basics? Because as I mentioned, this is the foundation. We need to have a fertile environment for everything else to grow. Otherwise nothing else will, will stick. If you are my apprentice, these four basic concepts, getting you primed and ready to learn, is how I was taught. As an apprentice, I would follow my master, in effect. Now, it's not like a Shaolin monk following his master. We're not walking around in robes. Not like a Jedi Knight in Star Wars, where... Anakin Skywalker was following around Obi-Wan Kenobi or Obi-Wan Kenobi was following around his master Yoda. No, but yes. In my case and in all the other people here that you've met in our real life, we could all be classified as masters because we have had apprentices. But guess what? We still have mentors. We are all still apprentices, even though we've had many, many, many apprentices ourselves, in which we have been teacher to. But how does it work in real life in the societies? The observation, as I mentioned, is occasionally in a seminar workshop setting in groups. Much of it is one-on-one, -on -one, speaking one-on-one -on -one over coffee or discussing on the phone, one-on-one. -on -one. Books, Someone says, well, how can you be an apprentice and observe from a book? Well, think about this concept. Do you ever read a novel, a really good novel, and you read this novel, and you're sitting there, and you're reading the novel, and the novel is talking about the hero, and the hero is in the Amazon jungle, and he has his machete, and he's wearing a ripped t-shirt because his body is perspiring so much and there's bugs all over his body. There was a slight rain earlier so the jungle is moist and humid and it's hot. And he has shorts on and hiking boots. And he has this large machete and he has a bandana around his head and he's going through the jungle in search of the villain and you're reading this novel as it describes the green foliage that he's going through and the types of plants and the sounds he's hearing and the bugs he's seeing and, and the feel that his feet are experiencing when they mush into the, into the moist earth and the color of the earth and the smells that he's having and how he's breathing because of the heat and the humidity and, and, his, and his tired, how his muscles are beginning to ache and his arm is beginning to get uh, weary from the heavy machete chopping into the foliage as he's going through the bush. 
And as you're reading this, it's, it's enthralling, it's very well written, and you're reading this novel. And somebody walks in the room and says to you, Hey, Charlie! And you continue to read the novel, oblivious to your friend who's walked in calling your name. And the person says, Charlie! Charlie! Earth to Charlie! And finally you look up, not hearing a word. And you say, did you say something to me? That's happened to all of us. Or you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're so engrossed in this novel that you're not even in the room anymore. Because you were in the Amazon. And you were oblivious to your friend two feet away from you, yelling your name. That's how. Now listen clear, carefully. That is how you associate, you mimic, you observe successful people who are using this information in their real life. That's how books work. The books that we read, that we were given, use these techniques. They're not manuals, per se, but they're stories of real people, members of the societies, with real, accurate descriptions of their daily life and them acting out these principles and techniques in their daily life. Does this make sense? This is why I tell you the first concept was who do you listen to? When you start reading books about mythical characters, you're screwing yourself up because now you're mimicking and modeling yourself after the short order cook when you want to learn how to cook a souffle because these are not real people. If there was a simple thing for you to do, if you wanted to be outrageously successful, It'd be go and get autobiographies and biographies of people who have what you want. If you want to be a chef, read the autobiographies and biographies of great chefs. If you want to be a musician, read the biographies and autobiographies of great musicians. Because that's who you have to mimic and model yourself after. These are the people that have developed the habits and neural pathways in their brain who've reached levels of unconscious competence that you should be modeling yourself and since you can't meet them because they're dead you can still associate with them now pay attention listen to what I'm saying you can still associate with them even though they're dead through books leaders are always readers books are magic Books are powerful. Books allow our brains and our imaginations to be utilized to create images, sights, sounds, and smells through the power of our imagination in our brain, which creates neural pathways even faster than physical observation with our eyes. Isn't this interesting?
And some of you wonder why we had to read books when we were kids. And some of you wonder why books are being pushed away by the powerful parasitical elite class. Because the power of books is known. The power of books is known. So we associate and observe. So, you're here and getting to the unconscious competence level, utilizing the fundamentals, the four basics. Who do you listen to? Teachability index, training balance scale, and the four steps of learning information. This is the foundation. When we worked with our mentors, as I mentioned, in some cases our mentors would give us books where we would begin to learn these concepts. And the books that we were given had emphasis on one of these four characteristics. Was the emphasis of the story, was the observations I was getting from the book focusing me on teachability index or training balance scale or the four steps or who do I listen to? It was given so that I would continue to focus on these four fundamentals. And obviously I was given books because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these books. We were given books based on our need and our weakness. But every book always covered all of them with emphasis on one over the other. At the end of this class, you're going to be given books not from the societies because they are unavailable to you for multiple reasons. We couldn't, have, we couldn't grab them from the libraries and taken them with us. By the way, where are these libraries? A lot of people ask. And now that's what you're going to say, right? Yeah, where are the libraries? Right? Now, the libraries are in people's homes. They're not in the Skull and Bones building. They're not in the Illuminati building. They're not in the Brotherhood building. They're not in the Freemason buildings. No. This information, as I mentioned, is passed on through generations, through families, through people. And these books and libraries are actually physically in homes around the world. That's where the information is. And that's why it can't be taken out. So you're going to get the second best. You're going to get a list of other books, which myself and my colleagues have read and come close. Come close. So we're going to give you many of these uh, tools when you leave. So we learned this information from, I mentioned, some lectures, some one-on-one -on -one conversations, books, and again by physically observing. So how would we do it in real life? Is the books were probably the main focus because that was something that we could do on our own. And then the physical observation because we knew what members of society were members of our societies. We could observe them and we were given access, although in many cases not direct access, in some cases only indirect access through our mentors, our teachers, 
our sponsors, every group called these individuals different things. Sometimes uh, one society calls your teacher the man, which is interesting because we use that, a lot of minorities in America use that in a very defamatory way. And that's really where it came from, from the secret societies, as the person who has power over you, in effect. But we observed, we looked, we were taught that we had to observe. And how were we trained? When I was with my mentor, or if I was observing another member of the society, sometimes I get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning. Hello, hey, did you see so-and-so today do his such-and-such -such thing? Yeah. What did you observe? Two o'clock in the morning I'm getting the phone call. This was part of the training, this was part of the teaching. That's a little bit of the advantage of having that one-on-one -on -one person. But for you, you have these CDs, which we didn't have, by the way, because none of the stuff was recorded. Heaven forbid the stuff would be leaked out. So you have an advantage that we didn't have. Myself and my colleagues are putting together these CDs for you, for those here in the room, obviously, because when you leave, I know you're not going to get it all. That's why you're getting the CDs. And for the people at home listening to the CDs, you can listen to it over and over and over and over again, and you're virtually going to have a catalog of CD material and books that you can use as your material, which will be incredibly powerful at learning this information, integrating it, and getting to unconscious competence. But why do I spend so much time again on this foundational material? I was with a Shaolin monk. Some people may have watched the uh, TV show, an American version of the show, actually an American series, TV series called Kung Fu back in the 70s with David Carradine. Kung Fu was about a Shaolin monk from the Shaolin Temple in China, which is a real place, thousands of years old. And this particular TV series was about David Carradine. His character was named Kwai Chang Kane. He was a Shaolin monk. A Shaolin monk at the time was a Buddhist monk who was trained in the martial arts of Kung Fu, Tai Chi, Qigong, Wusu, and other martial arts. The Shaolin Temple was actually the birthplace of all martial arts in the world. The Shaolin monks, before they were martial artists, were peaceful meditating monks. Unfortunately, because they were peaceful meditating monks, bandits would come in, beat up the monks, kill the monks, and steal from the monks. The monks got a little tired of this, so they decided to go out and find some warriors that they could hire to protect them. So they send out monks east, west, north, and south to find warriors who could defend the Shaolin Temple. When the monks returned, they brought back warriors from the east, west, north, and south, as far as India, Japan, and different provinces in China. Before this time, the warriors or the fighters around the world only were trained and were taught and knew of the fighting techniques of their particular region. 
So each one of these warriors that returned to the Shaolin Temple each had a unique and quite different fighting style. This was the first time in history where all these fighting styles, experts in these various fighting styles, got together and met each other and began to share their techniques with one another. And over the years, these monks began to integrate all the various styles together into one style which became known as Kung Fu. The monks also did something else that was unique. They observed animals like the tiger, the crane, the snake, the praying mantis, and they watched how these animals fought in the wild. And they took all of this knowledge and over the years developed a style of fighting which became the most feared and awesome and overpowering fighting style on the planet, the Shaolin Kung Fu. These styles were put together in forms so that the monks could practice their martial arts so they could defend themselves, but at the same time meditate. So they developed forms which was moving meditation. And this TV series about Kwai Cheng Kane was about this monk who left the temple and traveled throughout America and got into a bunch of fights and protected people and showed off his Kung Fu. The Shaolin Temple is a real place and I've always been intrigued by the Shaolin monks and their incredible ability. For the first time in history, the Chinese government allowed 35 of the monks to leave the temple and do a worldwide tour showing the world the abilities of the Shaolin fighting monks. Up until this time, no one really saw the Shaolin monks in action. It was all myth, it was all stories, it was all legend of what these monks could do. Well, when the monks traveled, the legend was nothing compared to just how awesome these monks' abilities were. The monks amazed everyone with their ability to move their chi energy and do phenomenal feats with their physical bodies that was mind-blowing to all that saw them. On the last day of the last city, the lead monk Shi Yunming decided to leave the temple, or actually not return to the temple, but leave the hotel, not return to the temple, because he was defecting and he wanted to teach the world these secrets for the first time in history. And for years he was on the run from the Chinese government, he was on the run from the immigration authorities in America and so forth. Well, I met this monk. I brought him to my home. He lived with me for a while. And when I first met him, his English was not very good, so I had a, a Chinese Kung Fu teacher with me to help interpret. So my first day I, I said to my Chinese Kung Fu teacher friend who spoke English, I said, tell the monk that I want to learn the secrets of the Shaolin Temple. I want to learn the advanced stuff. And make sure you let the monk know that I have studied the martial arts for, for years and years, and I am very proficient in the martial arts, so I don't want to learn any, any basic things. I want to learn the advanced secret stuff taught at the Shaolin Temple. So my Chinese friend talked Chinese to the monk, and he turned to me and he said, well, the monk says 
He wants to teach you how to throw a punch. I said, no, 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 no. Tell the monk, I, tell him I know how to throw punches. I want to learn the advanced stuff. I want the real meat. I want the secrets. They chatted again. My Chinese friend turned to me and said, well, the monk says he really wants to teach you how to throw a punch. I said, no, no, no. Tell him I know how to throw a punch. I don't want to learn just a basic punch. I want to learn the real advanced stuff. They chatted again. And my Chinese friend said, well, he said he really wanted to teach you how to throw a punch. He said, but he want to see your punch first. And he want to see how good you are. So they set up a, a candle, lit the candle flame. And he said, he wants you to throw your punch as hard as you can and stop one inch before candle flame. I said, fine. He probably wants to see how, how much I can control, you know, a powerful punch. So I, I asked him, well, what type of punch does he want? Does he want a cutting punch? Does he want a side punch? Does he want a spinning back fist punch? No, no, just any punch. So I throw a Shaolin cutting punch at the candle flame and I stop exactly one inch from the candle flame with perfect control. Quite frankly, I was pretty impressed with my own punch. They talked in Chinese and my friend said, the monk says he's very impressed with your punch. He say he now want to show you his punch. So sure, I wanted to see the monk's punch. I mean, it couldn't be, it couldn't be any better than mine. So the monk gets up there, looks at the candle flame, looks at me and smiles, and throws this very short punch. And he stops about a foot and a half from the candle flame. And the candle flame went out. He stopped his hand a foot and a half with a fist. He stopped at a foot and a half from the candle flame with this very short punch and the candle flame went out. My eyes got as big as saucers and I said, oh my God, tell him I want to learn how to do that. And he said, that's what he's been trying to tell you. He wants to show you how to throw a punch. And the reason why I say this is sometimes we think, I don't want to learn the basics. I want to learn the advanced stuff. And this Shaolin master, said to me very simple. He says, if you want to be a master, you have to be a master of the basics. And what I learned, and what you should understand, is that these four basic principles, who do you listen to? Teachability index, training balance scale, and the four steps are not as simple as you think. Some people think they're just a punch. No. If I really focus in, focus in on training balance scale in two days, you'll be amazed of how different you'll be by learning all the in-depth knowledge of this information and just how profound. Just as simple as this Shaolin who's going to teach me now for the next six weeks how to throw a punch. Because the secret of the Shaolin temple is being able to throw one strike. See, he taught me this. He says, if you want to be a master, you must be a master of the basics. And he taught me this other very important principle. And these are principles from the societies, by the way. 
He said this, and I want you to listen to this because this is brilliant. He said, how many different strikes can you throw? And I started rattling off all these different punches, all these different kicks, all these different elbow strikes, all these different knee strikes, rattling one after the other, after the other, after the other. And these are all that I knew, and I knew them really good. And he said this brilliant statement. He stopped me. I hadn't finished with all the strikes I knew. And he said, at the Shaolin Temple we say, I am not afraid of the 10,000 strikes you know that you've practiced only once. I am deathly afraid of the one strike you know that you've practiced 10,000 times. Think about that. I am not afraid of the 10,000 strikes you know you've practiced once. I am deathly afraid of the one strike you know that you've practiced 10,000 times. Key principle. Key principle. Master the basics. This is a key principle. And by definition, master the basics is focus on the fundamentals. And there's not a lot of fundamentals. There's not a lot of fundamentals. This is a secret. The secret is that most people think there are all these secrets. Therefore, they can't be successful because they don't know all of the secrets. The biggest secret of the societies is that there's only a few basic concepts. But the key is mastering them to a level that nobody could imagine. Just like a punch. A simple punch is a simple punch. The reason the Shaolin monk could stop a foot and a half before the candle flame and blow the candle flame out was he learned how to throw a punch and actually throw his what's called chi energy through his body, through the fist, and the chi energy would actually leave the physical body and go out into the flame, causing the flame to go out. Now, when he would hit you, if he was going to hit somebody, with that same punch, it would virtually throw you across the room. Because he focused on something as simple as a simple punch, but learned how to make it much more than a punch. That's why he said, it's not a punch, it's a punch. There's a big difference. Some of you are just thinking, who do you listen to? All right, I got that. Teachability Index, I got it. 
Training balance scale. I know that. Understood. Next. Four basic steps. I got it. Now I'll get to the real stuff. Well, first off, if you've got that attitude, guess what? Your teachability index is zero. You haven't got it yet. Do you understand? You've got to keep saying, teach me more about who do I listen to. Teach me more about the teachability index. Teach me more about the training balance scale. Teach me more. And someone said, I was at one of our private meetings. There was a few of us at, a, at one of our members' homes in Barbados. It was, you know, like you're, you're in the setting here. It was similar. It was about a $35 million house, this magnificent structure. And we flew, flew in there on the private planes. And we were there. And, you know, I've been very fortunate because every time I'm with my teachers, and the reason I'm telling you this because you should feel the same way. I'm trying to get you to understand this. Every time I'm with the teachers, I do very little talking and a lot of asking questions and a lot of listening and observing. One of my early teachers said, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. Think about that. So, we were sitting there chatting about different concepts and I said, at what point can you stop learning about the basics? At what point can you say, I think I really got the basics? And he said, I thought this was brilliant. He said, when you want to learn just a little more and you love the idea of learning and and, and, and being educated on the basics, you don't have to learn it anymore. But at that point, you can't. It's like a drug. You love learning about the basics. You love focusing on the fundamentals. You love tweaking it and integrating it just a little bit more that you can't not learn. You can't not ask. You can't not get another example, another observation to build another neural pathway. Because what's occurring is when you start getting to unconscious competence and those neural pathways get bigger and bigger and bigger, you're actually getting a chemical rush biologically in the body from learning more about that thing. Do you understand? This is why, this is why willingness to accept change is hard because you've developed big neural pathways. Those neural pathways for the habits that you've developed are making you crave to continue that habit because you're feeding that neural pathway. 
And when you stop doing that habit, you're not feeding that neural pathway, it's craving for more. And you're just starting a brand new neural pathway and you have a big old neural pathway craving for attention and craving for you to do that thing and focus on that and do that old habit, that old pattern. And here you are establishing a new neural pathway, which is very small. It doesn't have that, that, that cravingness yet. That's why it's hard to have a willingness to accept change. Does this make sense? This is why it's so vitally important. This is the advantage we had as being society members because we were around this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We had our phone calls, we had our coffees, we had our uh, book meetings. We knew we were going to get tested. We knew we were going to get the phone call. We knew we were going to meet somebody and people were going to observe it. And we knew that if we failed, that if we walked in and somebody came up to us, that we knew we were a society member and they knew I was the apprentice and they asked me a question about, you know, what, what did I observe from that guy? And I didn't really give an answer. Or if they sensed and they knew that my willingness to learn or my willingness to exchange was lower, guess what? I wasn't moving on to the next level. I wasn't learning anything new because there was nothing for me to learn or be exposed to because I haven't learned my lesson yet. If I can't add, we're not going to get on to subtraction. If you can't add, subtract, multiply, and divide, we ain't doing algebra. Sorry. We can't go there until you are proficient and an expert in addition, subtraction, multiplication, or division. You have to be an expert in that before we get to algebra. So in our lives, we had uh, not a fear, but a strong motivation to really master these basics. Who do you listen to? Teachability index, training balance scale, and four steps. We had to. Otherwise, we weren't moving on. Our membership in the society, we weren't going to get kicked out. But we were like the privates in the army. And we we're going to be a private in the army the, our whole life. We were never going to get the general. Now, if you were to, the highest level in the army is a five-star general. Well, Highest level in the Masons is a 33 degree. Well, there ain't that many five-star generals. There ain't that many 33 degree Masons. And we got a couple here. There ain't that many top people in the Brotherhood. Well, we got a couple here. Hello. Nice to meet you. I'm humbled by that. I'm not, you know, bragging. But I'm humbled by that. But there ain't that many five-star generals. And for those who reach it, you had to do something special and you got information and knowledge and experience that other people just didn't have if they were a private, even though they're still part of the army. Does this make sense? To know and not to do is not to know. Leo Biscaglia. You gotta know this stuff. The basics. You have to focus on the fundamentals and the four basic fundamentals. Who do you listen to? Teachability index, training balance scale, and the four steps that you go through when you learn information. These are the basic, basic, basics, but the most important. 
Review this in your mind. Think about it over and over again. Go back. Now, someone always says, well, how, how do I learn this again? You know, I say, I told you, I told you, I said it again. How do I learn this stuff? You learn it by observing other people and by, at the conscious competence level, doing it yourself over and over and over again. But you must be observing people. Who do you observe? You observe the people that are experts in it who are doing it. Some of you think again, I, you're thinking, I don't know any experts. Guess what? You're listening to one. And I say that humbly. So that's why you listen to these CDs over and over and over and over and over again. At the end of the course, we're going to give you the books and additional CDs. That's going to be your method. We may have some live, uh, live events available later. But for now, you're going to do what we did. You're not going to have the phone calls. You're not going to have the one-on-one -on -one mentors yet. Down the road, that may be available to you. But you're going to have to qualify. And how do you qualify? Just like we qualified. We didn't get that right off the get-go. If we didn't have high willingness to learn and high willingness to accept change from the beginning, and by reading books, and, by observe, and just by reading books and doing our observation through the book imagination process, we didn't get a personal mentor. We didn't get to meet anybody. We didn't know who were members. So you're going to be given that same opportunity. We're trying to basically duplicate our method of learning the way we got this stuff with you. And right now, your method is by listening to CDs, and we're going to give you the, the, the book lists. And for those of you who, who really get it, then you'll be available for the workshops, the live events, and you'll be available to personal mentors and be an apprentice to learn this information, if you choose to. Some of you are just going to get this information and basically go, oh my God, this is amazing, start applying it, and start becoming, having, and doing more than you could ever imagine, and be happier than ever, and you're going to be at the level you wanted to be. And you're going to say, I'm done. Ah, this is fantastic. Great. Some of you are thinking, hey, I'm making, uh, who, who needs millions? I'm making a couple hundred grand. You know, I manifested this in my life. This, this, this came. Oh my God, my body looks great. My health is great. What else do I need? I hit the home run. I hit the lottery. And that's, and listen, I applaud you. I mean, because it's your desires you're going after, not mine. So whatever desires you have, achieve them. Put a big smile on your face. Feel great. And whatever that is, it is. Doesn't have to be billionaire. There's no right and wrong here. All it is that you feel fulfilled and you feel happy and you feel great and you feel you're achieving your goals and desires and you feel fantastic and better than ever. That's what it comes down to. This course, your wish is your command. It's your wish, not mine. What wish do you have? What dream do you have? What desire do you have? Think about it. What desires do you have in your life? What wishes do you have in your life, in any area of your life? Whatever area of your life, what wish do you have? What desire do you have? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Guess what? You're going to be taught how to make a command and make it happen in this course. And some of you want to go further. Fine. Some of you are going to be so happy with what you got here, 
that's great too. Your wish. Remember. Remember. You. And you're seeing it all around. This isn't made up. This isn't theory. You're seeing it physically, touching it, eating it last night. <laughs> you're meeting the people, real flesh and blood, bones. You're, my God, you know some of these people. Your dreams can become reality. Your wishes can happen. What you want, what you desire, you can have. Your wish is your command. You can have, be, or do anything you want and everything and have it happen in record time. Focus on the fundamentals. Master the basics. Build the foundation and you'll be able to build your whole life. And the foundation, who do you listen to? Teachability index, training balance scale, and the four steps leading to unconscious competence. Let's take a break and for those listening to the CDs, we'll go to the next CD.